0: All right. Welcome back to the prospecting show. Today is Thursday, April 8th, and we have Seth Bradley on the call. How are you?
1: Doing great, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. So we, we were talking, uh, I don't know, probably a month ago about a bunch of different things. And we we're talking about all the different projects you're working on and, and kind of your background. And uh, you were just telling me before we jumped on here that you're taking the red-eye to go look at a deal in uh, Cleveland. Is that right? In Ohio yeah. there. Big, yep. big multifamily uh, deal. Um, to, to kick things off, tell us about, you know, what that's all about. Totally different than maybe some of the other things that people know that you do. What is this uh, investment p- property for? What do you, What are you trying to do with it?
1: Yeah, so it's a 120-unit uh, multifamily property. It's completely vacant, so it's not something we normally look at. We like to keep our risk really low, especially for when we bring in a lot of our our passive investors. We want to make sure that the investments are are safe as possible. This is not one of those types of investments. This is not one of those types of investments where I'm going to offer it out to to the passive investors. Um, we're gonna we're gonna look for a couple of a big capital partners to take this thing down because it's 100% vacant. And it's it's gonna need a lot of a lot of work, but a lot of risk, a lot of reward.
0: Yeah, and, and how does somebody get into that kind of deal? Like obviously shopping deal flow as a whole in the real estate space is everyone's got their own method and the people they know and the network and all that. Like, how do you come across something not where you're located, you know, 120 units, big complex, totally vacant? Like how do you find something like
1: that? Yeah, man. I mean it's always either through brokers or it's direct to owner, one of the two. Um, We got this one off of an auction site. So technically, I guess it's through a broker, but it's bank owned right now.
0: Got it. So yeah. And so when you get those deals and you, and you're shopping it on paper first, right? How do you know that you're interested in something? What are some of the key things that you're looking for upfront just to kind of screen those deals before you're going to jump on a plane and go fly and look at the thing?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta look at the market. You gotta look at the submarket, You gotta see where rents are right now. And For this one, it's a little bit different because it's hundred percent vacant, but look and see where the rents are for a typical deal, what they're charging now and what you can charge in the surrounding area or what you can charge if you, fix it up and, and get, get new tenants in there, paying a little bit more. And you just want to have, have to see that value add upside.
0: Yeah. And, and so maybe we can go backwards a little bit, cause that's like what you're doing today. Let's talk about, you know, how you grew up, what you did, what you went to school for and how you got to where you're at today. Cause I mean, I'm sure this was not what you were thinking of, you know, 10, 15, <laughs> you know, plus years ago thinking, Hey, I'm going to look at the get on a plane and fly, you know, across the U S to go look at a deal of this size.
1: Yeah, not at all, man. I mean, I grew up in a blue collar family. My, my dad's a retired coal miner. My mom's a retired teacher. And I, I grew up just thinking, trying to get the best W2 job I could possibly get. That was, that was the mindset. So to me, that was being a doctor. So I went to med school, did that whole thing. I went for a year and a couple of weeks into that. And I realized I hated it. I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. Um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do still. So I, I dropped out. I left. Uh, I ended up going, getting my MBA and started just in the meantime, while I was trying to figure stuff out. Uh, but I was still in that that same mindset. And I was thinking, well, what's the next best job I can get? And that to me was being a lawyer. So I went to law school, got that degree, finished at the top of my class, worked in big law for like six years. But even during that whole time, I knew it wasn't for me. i just one of those entrepreneurial people that just don't feel comfortable in the office setting. You know how that goes, sure. man. You're yeah, just like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't belong here. This is this is not for me. And especially in a, a stuffy law office, that's like the epitome of, of that sort of thing. So I was like, I, I was investing in real estate that entire time um, before making finally making my exit.
0: Yeah, and, and, and so when somebody has a W2 job like you did and you went through the kind of these different iterations, you said you started investing. Like, how did you know that you wanted to do that? Obviously, at the entrepreneurial piece, but how did you know like real estate? Like, I'm going to go work this job and take money from the job and put it into a deal.
1: Yeah, it's kind of strange, man. I've just always been drawn to real estate as an investment vehicle. Um, So as soon as I had any kind of income, I was like, okay, I need to get into it. So I just did the typical kind of let's listen to Bigger Pockets podcast and start reading books and all that stuff. And I house hacked into a duplex uh, within the first few months of, of taking my first law job. And then I went from there, scaled up, bought rentals, did flips, did wholesales, did the whole residential stuff. And now I've worked my way up into large multifamily.
0: And in that transition from going from a duplex, I think that's a good starting point, right? Duplex, triplex, kind of house hack do that, to that, not into this huge multifamily to start. Yeah. How did you make that transition from the duplex to the single family, to some fix and flips, uh, some wholesale and then up? Like, what's the logic of, of changing from one to the other? Walk us through that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just really easy to get into the smaller stuff first. It's easier, I think, from a mindset perspective to get into that stuff. You can get your wrap your mind around house hacking or buying a fix and flip or watching HTTV and seeing people do it and, and just do single families or you know even small multi-families. But when you're just getting started and you're thinking, oh, or someone tells you, oh, why don't you buy a 200 unit apartment complex in Charlotte, North Carolina or something like that? You're like, I can't do that. I mean, even as a, a real estate attorney who closed those deals for people that did those things, it still wasn't in my mindset that I could do something like that. It's really strange because I'm sitting there advising these guys on how to close these deals. And at the same time, I'm not thinking in the back of my mind yet uh, that I can be doing that. And eventually I did kind of get over that hump and I, was, I just started thinking, you know, these guys aren't, it's not Donald Trump or somebody like that closing these deals. They're just regular guys like you and me and I'm helping them close these deals. Why am I, why am I not doing it myself?
0: What do you think the the block is there? What do you think the mental piece is? Because your your point's valid that like there are regular everyday people that that do these kind of deals. What what is it? Is it risk? Is it money? Is it just experience? Why do people not do the deal? Because I have the exact same fear. I'm like I'm not jumping into a 200 you know unit anything until I do a couple small ones.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think there's a few different things there. I think I think some people think that it costs, you have to have, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars to b- buy these deals because that's what they cost. But you really don't because you're raising it from other people's money. You're raising it from investors or getting uh, institutional investors involved. And, and you're just, you know, you know you're know you leading the deal. So you're going to get your cut. But um, I think that's a piece. And you just, in your mind, you, you have that block for the money piece and you don't even think past that. The other piece that I see and not necessarily for my situation before, you know, agents and brokers and people like that, that are always in real estate and they never actually buy real estate themselves, right? They always, you know, they're helping you buy real estate and they, they don't own anything themselves. They're not investors. Um, I think it gets down to, comes down to being a transactional thing for them. They, they kind of get, uh, uh, they fall in love with, with the transaction and saying, okay, well, I get a big chunk of money here why would I go and, you know, buy this real estate? We're only getting a few hundred dollars a month or whatever is passive sure. income. So sure. you get kind of addicted to that, that transaction, but eventually you get down that road far enough and you start thinking, oh man, I have nothing to show for it. It's the same thing with flipping a house. So when you start flipping houses over and over and you enjoy getting that big burst of money when you sell the house, that's great. But after a while you're like, oh, I have nothing to show for it. Cause I've got to yeah. keep doing this to keep making a living.
0: You're on the treadmill, right? Cause even if yeah. you're making and you, and, you, and you do a buy and hold, you still like that, that one unit, One's not gonna be enough. One of anything is not gonna be enough. I mean, obviously you're storing cash long-term, you're getting equity on, doesn't matter what the deal is, but I'm assuming most of the work that you're doing, you're trying to buy for cash flow. Is that correct at some point?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you're trying to do, man, because it it turns into, I mean, we do this to get out of our W2, but if you're flipping houses or doing wholesales or even these new syndications that everybody's doing, they're basically big flips when we're only holding them for three to five years. They take a little bit longer. They're a lot bigger properties, but they're really just flips. You're still working, you know, for that next paycheck. So you need to start thinking, well, how can I buy real estate or invest in alternative investments where I don't have to keep, transacting to keep making money in order to do that, you've got to buy assets and hold them forever.
0: Yeah. And, and I, even the appreciation that happens, right? If you're doing some kind of rental component, like that appreciation, people don't think like, Hey, if I take a 30 year fix, this is one thing. Someone broke my mind on the podcast about this. He said, everyone's looking at, well, maybe I pay 2000 for a mortgage right now. And I rent that for 2,400 or 2,500, let's just say, just to make the math easy. And I yeah. say there's 500 in cash flow, which we know that's not going to happen, but let's just say it did well. The problem actually isn't that it's only 500 today. It's that that $2,000 mortgage is $2,000 for the next 30 years. Right. So as the rent goes up, the gap between what you owe and what you have to pay it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, which is where the actual money is made in the in that five to 10 year spread and beyond. And I'm thinking to myself like wow i missed that whole part of real estate overnight right yeah. and i just i learned it right there because it's like yeah there's this flat mortgage component and yes you have other variable costs that come in but the rents are going to go up and everything else is going to stay flat i'm assuming the multifamily space that's also true that, that that's kind of people take the long long-term mortgage and then basically just try to s- squeeze more and more rent every every single year
1: yeah i mean that's what you that's the goal but a lot of people nowadays when you see people you know, online, they've got this big marketing machine. They're selling to you, like I said, there's three to five to seven year holds and they're selling the property. I mean, if they get it renovated and leased back out, they'll sell it as soon as possible um, just to keep the velocity of the money going. And the syndicators get a big pop of money on the, on the acquisition as well as the sale. So they're almost got incentivized it. To, to get rid of the property. Uh, and I, I participate in those sorts of sorts of games as well, because they do make sense. I mean, you know, keep doing them over and over again, even for the passive investors, they get their money back too. So they can go invest that in, in the next deal. Um, but long-term wise, you know, we've got to figure out a way to creatively keep these big buildings uh, under management for long periods of time, rather than just doing these three to seven year holds.
0: Well, and and the occupancy, right? Kind of to your point of this deal that you're looking at right now, going from zero occupancy all the way up to, you know, full occupancy or 90%. Like that's where the, the spread really gets useful because if you can maintain occupancy and the mortgage is the same and everything else stays the same, I mean, there's a great opportunity there to, to grow at scale that maybe yeah. you otherwise wouldn't get somewhere else. So to tell us a little bit more about the IntelligentPassiveInvestor.com because I know it's one of your websites, you got a few of them, LawCapitalPartners.com and IntelligentPassiveInvestor.com. Tell us what that website's for, how that, how other people interact with you in that part of the business.
1: Yeah, so that is, uh, that's to my lead magnet. It's called the cash flow calculator. It's a really cool spreadsheet um, where you can plug in all your real estate passive investments into it and where you project to uh, in, or how much you project to invest in the next few years. And it'll kind of assimilate all those, all that data and, and spit out accumulative returns that you can see. Um, so you can actually visualize how you can buy back your time. So if you're like, okay, well I can invest uh fifty thousand dollars this year and a hundred next year and a hundred for the next four or five years, you plug those numbers in and it can show you how much cash flow and how much appreciation you can expect um, over the next 20 years. So you can really, you know, set some goals for yourself as far as passive investing is concerned.
0: And and when people come come to you, you know, for advice or start looking at real estate and getting in where do you tell them to mostly start like what's the the core kind of piece of education because you talked about you know um, some of the people that you've learned from or some of the ways that you've learned like where where do you recommend people start what's what's a good baseline for them
1: I think a good baseline from somebody starting from ground zero, you know, it, uh, the first conversation I have with them is, you know, where, wh- what do you want to invest in? If, if you want to invest in real estate, I'll talk to you directly and let's talk about your goals and what you want to do and how much time you have. Because if you have a lot of time and not necessarily a lot of money, maybe you need to get into, you know, a house hack or a fix and flip or something like that. Um, if you have a lot of money and not a lot of time, I will tell you, let's look at these passive syndication investments because you can just you know, you vet the sponsor, you vet the deal, you vet the market, a little bit of work up front, and then you're done. These things are completely passive. So it really depends on what I say is it comes down to how much time you have. Um, once you go there, then I'll maybe direct you to different places. If we're talking about residential stuff, I'll say go listen to bigger pockets because they're the best at kind of your basic, uh, real estate stuff, as far as wholesaling, flipping, buy and holds, things like that. Uh, when you get into the more the bigger stuff, the commercial syndications, I'd probably tell you to go to my podcast, or I'd recommend some others as well, um, very specific ones that talk about commercial syndications.
0: And, and what's the link for the the podcast specifically?
1: Yeah, it's PassiveIncomeAttorney.com. dot com.
0: PassiveIncomeAttorney.com. And so let, let's talk about LA, uh, Law Capital Partners, right? Because you have the, the attorney background and all the work that you did there. Uh, w- what kind of things happen at LA, Law Capital Partners? I can't say that right at all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all good, man. Yeah, Law Capital Partners is the private equity firm that we that we use to buy real estate with. Um, so, you know, I bring people in through the platform, Passive Income Attorney, I provide the education. When people feel comfortable enough to, to make that jump, um, Law Capital Partners is actually my company that acquires uh, real estate and, uh, brings in private equity for other people's deals as well.
0: Got it. And so that's an opportunity for people to put their money into deals without having to buy a hundred percent of the deal. Basically they can buy a portion of the deal and other people it's, it's a syndication in yeah. a way, is that? Correct? Yeah.
1: Most of them are syndications and it's, it's a way to actually, you know, diversify your portfolio. I mean, instead of, you know, buying just a single family where you put all your eggs in one basket, you know, you've got you can participate in an apartment complex where you might not own the whole thing. You own a very small piece, but you also own 200 units. So that that's that's awesome because you've got, um, you know, you've got 200 tenants instead of one tenant. So if that one tenant leaves, you have zero percent income with apartment complex, 200 tenants. One moves out. Who cares? You're going to get another one in there and you've got 199 others paying the rent.
0: Right. Yeah. Diverse, the diversification of risk there yeah. is pretty high, right? As, as the number of occupants go up or the number of slots go up, you know, you, like you said, you lose one. Now you're down 0.5%, right? On occupancy instead of 100% down. So that that's a good way to look at it. What, what do you think the value is that you bring? I mean, there's lots of different... Um, you know, syndications and REITs yeah. and investment funds and vehicles that people use. There, there's all this stuff out there, right? And for, for the for the people who are, maybe they have a business, they've made some money and they're like, man, I want to put this somewhere. They got their yeah. Bitcoin. They got their S&P 500. They got all their other kind of <laughs> asset classes taken care of. And now they're like, man, I want to do something in real estate. Like, why would they come to you? What do you think that the biggest value add that you and your company have to bring to the party?
1: Yeah, so we vet the sponsor the market and the deal. We are highly, uh, highly, into this market the multifamily space is small once you get into it you really start to know everybody you know all the sponsors you know all the operators you know the markets that they operate in you know if they've been successful on their uh, buildings whether or not that they've actually operated the property correctly and executed the business uh the business plan afterwards and you, you can get a bad reputation quickly so we know these guys we know who we're investing with and we can vet those sponsors and basically be like go to our passive investors and say hey we know these guys they've done tons of deals they know this partic- particular market we've actually vetted the specific deal as well and we love this deal you should invest in this deal so we do all the work for the passive investors so that they don't have to
0: yeah and and is your model uh, like an exit model as well? Do you guys ever have properties that sell out, and then that basically gets distributed back to the to all the investors, or what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always an exit in mind. Uh, you know, like I said, they're typically uh, three to five to seven-year hold. Um, we've done upwards of 10-year holds. Um, you you want to have an exit in mind, even if the, the plan is to hold the property forever, while it still makes sense, you, you still kind of call it a 10-year hold because you, you've got you've to put some end dates on there. And a lot of times the investors want that money back. You, you want to get that, you want to know when you can get that money back.
0: Yeah, and that's and I think that's the the mindset that people have to have when they go into multifamily, which is like even though very likely everything's going to appreciate in perpetuity over time, right? Like it's, it's that there is going to be some down years, but it's going to appreciate, but at some point you got to pull it out. Cause you're either going to go into, I guess, a different deal or a bigger deal. Um, and, and kind of like what you're doing right now, like 120 units, that's, you know, pretty big deal for, for most people who've never done any real estate before that would be a huge deal to get into. So, you know, kind of, to, I like to keep the show relatively short. What, what do you, um, where should people go to learn more? Like, should they go to intelligentpassiveinvestor.com and kind of get that sheet? is that the best place how can they learn more about you kind of jump on maybe get on the phone with you if they if they're trying to you know put their money where their mouth is and go into a deal what's the best way for them to reach you
1: yeah I mean I think the best way to reach me would be to listen to the podcast I mean get on a passiveincomeattorney.com there's a bunch of free stuff on there there's blog articles there's the podcast episodes there's some some other free freebies on there there's a passive investing guide Um, just kind of become part of my world Uh, join the investor list and, you know, reach out to me anytime. I'm a, I, you can also find me on all social media platforms. at slash Seth Paul Bradley.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Prospecting Show. Appreciate the insight you have here. And for those of you who are uh, looking for a, a podcast, to listen to something that will bring that kind of mindset together. Definitely check out Seth's podcast. And then there's also intelligentpassiveinvestor.com and lawcapitalpartners.com if you want to get into one of these deals and, and actually put your money in. So thank you so much for coming on the Prospecting Show and have a great rest of the day.
1: Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it.